Hi everybody, welcome to the very first episode of my brand new podcast, A is for Alien. My name's Patrice Johnson, and you may remember me from previous podcasts such as Full Metal Tuxedo. So straight off the top, I'm going to let you know just how I'm thinking that we should structure this new podcast. A lot of you came and said to me that you still wanted like a long form podcast. So what I'm thinking is we will still do it. I'll still try and keep it a three hour-ish show. The first hour, I'm going to be introducing the topic, talking about it, talking about how I researched it, things that I found out, things that I thought were cool. And then in the second hour, I'm going to more than likely have a guest on just to talk about things, just to talk about stuff kind of at a more macro level, kind of focus on one kind of aspect of whatever we're talking about that week. And then the last hour will be similar to Full Metal Tuxedo, where I want to listen, talk to you about listener emails and, uh, you know, share your guys' experiences out there. Depending on how we go, I'd love to bring back the live show format. So hopefully that's something that we can work towards, especially when we start to get a little bit more of a bigger following. Got to make that happen by liking, commenting and sharing. (laughs) If you're new here and you don't remember me from Full Metal Tuxedo, that's fine. You can probably just skip ahead a couple of minutes because what I'm going to do straight off the bat is just address a couple of things that have been um, laying heavy on my mind and talk about a couple of things that I feel a little bit bad about, I guess. So this may come as a shock to some of you, but I actually found out that I wasn't a co-host of Full Metal Tuxedo anymore at the same time that you guys did. (laughs) And as you can imagine, considering it was something that gave me so much joy that I spent so much time invested into, that helped me deal with things through the COVID lockdown, that I put so much of myself into that I co-created, co-hosted, co-conceptualized from the ground up. Um, It was really devastating. (laughs) And also it was really embarrassing for me because I have never experienced public humiliation and embarrassment on that level before where tens of thousands of people were just told before me that I was going to inexplicably disappear from something that I'd spent so much time on. Also, in that same week, I found a lump that was under my arm right by my left-hand side breast. And so I had to go and have tests and scans for breast cancer. So while I was going through tests for breast cancer, I was getting all these DMs and messages from people who had the best intentions, but I just felt like it was really unfair that I was put in that position to have to deal with that kind of stress when I was really worried about my health. The worst part for me though by far was the fact that I never got to properly say goodbye and that I was really unceremoniously dumped from everything the discord servers everything and I didn't get a chance to say goodbye or say thank you because I created so many connections with so many of you and it meant a lot to me more than I could probably have explained at the time and not just through full metal tuxedo but also through the community uh, and the people that I met through my participation with Greg on tell me more and I'm a skeptic as well
because we worked together for many months and I got to know a lot of you through there. I felt really bad about not having an explanation for you, not being able to say goodbye properly. And the worst part was, is because of how upsetting the whole situation was for me, I couldn't even respond to your private messages, your DMs, everybody's really kind words and well wishes for me because it wasn't my choice to leave. That's uh, getting me right in the feels <laughs> because I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed everything that I was doing there. It gave me a purpose that I didn't have throughout the COVID lockdown and everything that was going on. I was just really happy to be able to entertain you. I wanted to let you know as well that it wasn't just a one-way street. It meant a lot to me as well, being able to be to do that for you during such a shitty year. I guess what they say though is true, that one person's mental health crisis is another person's character building exercise. And I think in this case, that was absolutely true for me. <laughs> and to be honest, I was not coming back. I absolutely was just gonna leave all my accounts, leave everything, I was done. I was so humiliated, so embarrassed, and I just like was done, done with it. I was never coming back. I wasn't gonna say anything. I wasn't gonna do anything. I was never gonna record ever again. I wasn't, I didn't even open up my laptop for two months, essentially. It wasn't until the very recent and sad passing of Dan from Real Life Ghost Stories that I kind of had a bit of a light bulb moment. I was a massive fan of their podcast and a huge fan of their relationship and their dynamic. And I loved how grassroots Emma and Dan were on real life ghost stories and how they were just two regular people talking about cool stuff that they're interested in and having a great time together, entertaining people and it resonated with people. Like they didn't pretend to be internet stars. They didn't pretend to be anything other than two really chilled out cool people that were interested in the paranormal and bizarre and crazy stuff. When I found out that Dan passed away, it made me realize life is too short to be not doing things that you enjoy. Whilst I might not have the following or the platform I did on Full Metal Tuxedo, the way I see it is it's like an art form for me and it gives me an outlet for everything that I love to read and research and investigate. Even if one person listens and likes it, that's worth my time. I don't need tens of thousands of followers or listeners if I'm able to just make one person's day a little bit better by talking about things that make me happy. All right, but that's enough of that shit, guys. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, so this is my first episode and I'm super excited because I never thought that I'd ever have the confidence or the ability or the know-how or the equipment to ever just go out and do something like this. So I'm excited because I'm working everything from the ground up and it gives me the opportunity to do things my way. You know, I'm just having fun with it. So I'm glad that you're here for the ride. If you're listening to this, I hope that we can have a little bit of fun together. Whatever it is you like to do when you're listening to podcasts, I hope that you enjoy this. So as you would have already figured out by this point, A is for Alien is the name of the podcast. And also the first episode <laughs> is A is for Alien Abduction. 
Thank you so much to my OG listeners and followers for helping me come up with the first topic. When I had a little bit of writer's block, I basically put a poll up on my Instagram. The handle for my Instagram is A is for Alien Podcast, and you can find me by looking for the display picture, which is of me and my face for radio. So last week, someone sent me through an email, which wasn't a listener story, but was actually a transcript. Now, this transcript had been taken from a book written in the 90s. And basically, it was two girls who had been put under hypnotic regression to remember an abduction story. Obviously, we've been talking about it on my Instagram And someone had thought of me and sent it through. And I'm really grateful because that email is now the basis of this entire episode, essentially. Full disclosure, I'm not somebody who really buys into hypnotic regression as being proof of anything. Because I just feel like there's way too much that you can be influenced about under that kind of altered state of awareness. So what I'm about to read to you are abridged versions of transcripts taken by Dr. David M. Jacobs conducting hypnotic regression sessions with two abductees whose names are Courtney Walsh and Alison Reed. They're probably fake names because, I don't know, would you be putting your own name on a hypnotic regression that's going to be put in a book by a famous ufologist? I don't know if you want to be like, you know, attracting that kind of attention. Courtney. It seems like a screen. I don't know if it really is. There's a picture of an embryo and it's implanted. It's growing and then it's getting harvested again. It feels like a propaganda film. The aliens are saying, isn't this good? Jacobs. When you look at this film and you see them removing the fetus, what do they do with it? Courtney. They put it in a little jar and then move it to a bigger jar, and then they move it to an incubator that's as big as a baby, and it has tubes going into it, and there are beings taking care of them, and the beings are stroking the baby and talking to them, and there's a picture of a toddler, a girl, and the aliens are saying, aren't these fine children? Aren't these good, strong, fine children? Interview 2 Alison, I see on this screen, sunshine, happy, good things. Jacobs, what kind of images are you looking at? Alison, there is a park with a couple families playing and having a picnic. They want me to see this and figure out who are the us from the them. And I can't tell the difference. I can't tell if there's a family of them or if they're a mixed family of us and them. Jacobs. Is this the point of it? You can't tell. Alison. It feels like a challenge. The aliens are saying, find our creations, point them in this picture. And I can't. I can't tell the difference. There are hybrids there and there are people. In fact, I can't even call them hybrids anymore. There are people there that were not brought about by normal human evolution. They were brought about in the process of many years of experimentation, 
find where they are. You can't tell the difference. I can't tell the difference. Jacobs. Do they give any clues or hints on who's who? Alison. I feel like that's the point. You can't tell. Like, this is like a mental test. It's almost like they want me to find their created million dollar family and I can't. That's the way it came across. Jacobs. It's like within families you can't tell and between families you can't tell. Alison. Exactly. They try to narrow it down to a little bit. Can you find a single family that has one? There's some there and they're playing and there are some over here. Is there any sound on this film or media displayed or whatever it is you're seeing? Alison. There's a background sound of laughter. It's laughter, but a bit dull. It's like half off in the distance kind of sound. It's kind of scary, but I don't even know if this is real. I think the point of all of this is that the aliens have achieved their goal. They've mastered the slicing and dicing and the test tubing and the hybrids can blend in now. You can't tell them apart. They're proud of that. Jacobs. Do you get a sense of what the purpose of this is for? Alison. No, not right now. The picture stops. It was all in colour before, but now it's stopped and the picture is black and white, except for a few people who are still in colour. The ones in colour are our creation. Jacobs. Do they look any different now that you know that they're hybrids? Alison. There is only one way to tell, and that is the energy field. There is an energy field around them, but unless you can see it, you never know. Jacobs, an energy field. What do you mean? Alison, but you know something? One of the hybrids is with a family, but his wife is still in black and white. The kids are in black and white as well. My feeling is that she is not one of them. I don't know about the kids. Do they not consider the offsprings of a hybrid and a human woman as worthy to be one of them? Jacobs. What about the energy field you mentioned earlier? I would like to know more about that. Alison. I can hear the aliens mention an energy field. I can't see it. I can't see it on anybody. But there's going to be a few people that can see it and will know. This is crazy. The aliens say that the ones that can see the field and know the difference will create an uprising and as a result will be subsequently terminated. Okay, so now, after reading this email, I've sat back and lost my fucking shit. So I'm sitting up a little bit straighter and I'm paying a little bit more attention because I have had fucking weird dreams about Scream where aliens have been showing me things and demanding that I know something about these screens. It wasn't like an abduction experience, like what these abductees are explaining. But for me, it was like mathematical equations. So for me, I was being shown things like Fibonacci spirals and really intense, uh, what's, it's not trigonometry, what's it called? Um, algebra. And all these really like Stephen Hawking style equations. And they were expecting me to understand what it meant. And they were expecting me to to do something with it and tell me that I had to remember it. 
And I was just sitting there telling them that I couldn't remember it and I didn't know what it meant. And all that they kept saying back to me was, you have to understand what this means. And this wasn't in an abduction experience. This was just in a dream. It felt like a dream to me. But the weirdest part about it was, is that there was distinctively a screen and it was set up like a 1950s movie cinema, I guess, could would be the only way that I'd describe it. I can still remember it now. Like it had red velvet kind of curtains. I could still hear the sound of the projector going and it was kind of in black and white, like looked like a propaganda film. So now I'm hooked. And I did what everybody does in this day and age when they figure out something interesting or they find a little synchronicity in something weird that they notice in their own life. And that is immediately do a Google search. So I looked up this Dr. David M. Jacobs, and that led me to his Wikipedia page, which led me to his website, which is called ufoabductions.com. And it's such a fucking iconic URL. So OG 90s internet and the website is pretty 90s basic as well, but that's part of the charm. Okay, so I'm going to read you the mission statement, which is on the ufoabduction.com website, which also happens to be the website for the International Center for Abduction Research. The International Center for Abduction Research ICAR is an organization devoted to the dissemination of trustworthy information about UFO abductions. The ICAR will provide accurate information to therapists and lay individuals who are interested in abductions and help them to cope with a variety of problems that arise from the use of hypnosis and other memory collection procedures. David M. Jacobs is the director of the ICAR and there is a small board. And underneath the mission statement on the main page is a personal note from David M. Jacobs, which says, I wrote most of the information on this website based on more than 50 years of UFO research. In addition, since 1986, I've conducted over 1150 hypnotic regressions with abductees. I've tried to be as objective and as agenda-free as possible. I have no new age spiritual, religious, transformational or transcendent program to promote. I try to stay as close to the evidence as I can. However, there is no possibility that I have avoided error. The majority of evidence for the alien abduction phenomenon is from human memory, derived from hypnosis administered by amateurs. It is difficult to imagine a weaker form of evidence. But it is evidence, and we have a great deal of it. Still, readers must be sceptical of what I say and of what all others say in this tangled arena of alien abductions, hypnosis, popular culture, and memory. Abduction researchers are mainly amateurs doing their best to get the to the truth, knowing that objective reality may elude them. So a little further background information about David M. Jacobs revealed that although he is most famous for his work in ufology, he actually enjoyed a quite a successful academic career as an American historian. And he only recently retired from being an associate professor of history at Temple University, where he specialized in 20th century American history. I'm not sure if that gives him any more credibility than anybody else, but I feel like it's a pretty damn good place to start. In 1973, he obtained his PhD from the University of Wisconsin-Madison in the field of intellectual history. So the best part is he wrote his dissertation on the controversy over unidentified flying objects in America. 
A revised edition of his dissertation was published as The UFO Controversy in America by Indiana University Press in 1975 and sold out. He then became a faculty member of the Department of History at Temple University and specialised in the history of 20th century American pop culture. Being honest with you here, that would probably have to be my dream job. How fucking cool to have your whole career in an academic capacity just talking about aliens and how they affect pop culture. That's wicked. So since that time, he's gone on to write five books on the topic of UFOs and alleged alien abductions. But it's kind of been in recent years that things started to be a little bit more kind of ominous. He started to argue that, you know, the evidence from his research was kind of a a proof of human alien hybrids engaging in a covert program to infiltrate human society with the end game goal of taking over the earth. So Dr. Jacobs was criticized not only by people who believe the whole alien abduction experience is a load of shit, but also by people who take a more positive view of alien abductions. And I think a lot of the basis of this criticism comes down to the subjective nature of how a researcher of hypnotic regression interprets the results that they receive. So where Jacobs sees infiltration, which is a negative connotation, others might see that as an integration, which is a positive. You know, how do you take such a subjective matter and report on it objectively? I agree with that sentiment because it's goes from being proof of anything then to just really being your opinion, which isn't proof of anything. It's just proof that you've looked at something and, you know, inferred or hypothesized. Carl Sagan even criticized the methods used by Jacobs and stated that, you know, any of these abduction experiences could be attributed to either mistaken identity or faulty memory. I'm a little bit confused as well about whether or not he had any proper hypnotherapy training because Martin Gardner, who was a popular science writer and mathematics writer, directly quotes, Although Jacob has had no training in psychology, psychiatry or hypnotherapy, he uses hypnotism to induce his patients, now more than 700, to develop strong memories of horrendous abductions, even though many patients had no such memories until hypnotized. Jacobs is convinced that 5 million Americans have been kidnapped at least once by aliens. One female patient who worked in retail sales had, according to Jacobs, 100 abductions in one year, an average of one every three days. Adding to that, Susan Clancy, who's an American cognitive psychologist and associate professor in consumer behavior, highlighted problems associated with abduction research because things such as faulty memory retrieval can be done by hypnotists who lead patients into remembering memories that they never had before. So effectively being implanted by the person who's hypnotizing. Clancy also had a problem with the fact that Jacob didn't consider sleep paralysis as an explanation for these abduction experiences. But Jacobs would argue against that argument by saying that numerous cases people reported that they were fully awake and conscious and therefore sleep paralysis wasn't a tenable hypothesis. You know, to be honest, as someone who has had sleep paralysis in the past, you can tell I never felt like I was awake and conscious when I had sleep paralysis. I knew that there was something distinctively wrong with how my body was operating. So for me, there's one person who is synonymous 
with the alien abduction phenomena, and that has to be Travis Walton. I couldn't do a podcast on alien abduction without at least touching on Travis Walton's story, because for me, it is one of the greatest UFO stories of all time. I'd say it's probably the most famous alien abduction story. You know, maybe the Betty and Barney Hill story gives it a bit of a run for its money, but I feel like this story just has it all. So the story goes that on November 5th, 1975, 22-year-old Travis Walton was working with six other men in the Apache Sitgreaves National Park near Snowflake, Arizona. Around sunset, they'd all packed up and they were about to head back into town. And as they were making their way along a logging trail towards the main road, they saw a glow through the trees. And knowing that it couldn't have been the moon and that it wasn't a forest fire, Travis urged one of the other men called Mike Rogers to check it out. So when they reached the clearing, Travis jumped out of the truck before it had even stopped. And what they saw hanging right in front of them was a clearly defined metallic craft, which they say was about 40 feet in diameter, hovering about 15 feet off the ground. So what happened next shocked the shit out of everybody. So everyone in the truck started losing their shit and they were screaming at Travis to get back in the truck. But he said that he was transfixed by this thing and he genuinely didn't think that it would be around by the time he got close enough for it to be dangerous. So he started walking towards this thing and it started making strange noises as if it was coming alive. Before he could think of what to do, a greenish blue light came out of the craft and struck him in the chest, flinging him to the ground. Now imagine for a second that you're one of the six guys in the fucking truck. They fucking legged it out of there, man. They left the 22-year-old dumb kid behind, just hightailed it fucking straight out of there. And for me, that's the most relatable part of this fucking story. Like, not only have you seen a UFO, you've seen a UFO shoot one of your fucking friends. I'm not hanging around. Eventually, they came to a stop, and that's when the arguments began, because... Mike was like, come on, boys, we have to go back and get Travis. You know, we just left him there. Like, we don't know if he's dead. We don't know if he's alive. We have to go back. But no one else really wanted to go back for him because they were really afraid of what they've just seen. Eventually, they all agreed that they had to go back for Travis because if nothing else, if he was dead, they couldn't just leave his body out there. So they went back and in the clearing, there was no ship and no Travis. So they got out and they began searching for him. Finally, they kind of realized that he was like proper gone. So they drove back into town and the whole way back into town, they were trying to figure out whether they tell the police or not because some of these boys were rough and they didn't want to get the cops involved because they'd been in trouble with the law before. Some of them thought that the cops wouldn't believe them. So basically they're like reporting a missing person who they were all there with and then next minute they're not. Like, how are you going to tell that story? And if you don't tell the truth, what are you going to tell them? And then that just will incriminate you further. So, yeah, they didn't want to say that they'd seen a UFO and that their friend was missing. So they get to the cop shop. They're talking over each other and they're trying to tell what happened and they're trying to tell their stories and they're all talking. And the sheriff's just sitting there across the desk. These boys are trying to cover up a crime. So the police launched a manhunt the next day to try and find Travis. And they got a pretty large search party out. They were briefed to be looking for either a dead body or an injured person. So the searchers fanned out and would search for a mile or two in a direction, double back, and then they'd start in another direction. Um, apparently there were even searchers that had Geiger counters, but they said that they were only finding background radiation. 
So Mike suggested that the guys with the Geiger counters should scan the boys that were in the forestry gang that were with Travis when he disappeared. But because they'd all changed their clothes and showered, the readings came back as normal. Then he had the idea to go and get their hard hats and see what would happen when the Geiger meters ran over their hard hats. And apparently the needles went crazy. But seconds after they had tested their helmets, apparently those searches with the Geiger counters disappeared and no one knew who they were. The second day rolls around and the search has expanded to include searching all buildings in a 20 mile radius of the site where Travis disappeared. So there's no evidence of a crime, there's no evidence of a spaceship and there's no trace of Travis Walton. The deputy sheriff wasn't having any of it. And he kept on asking the team, like, what did you do with the body? Where is he? Where did you bury him? You need to tell the truth. So by the third day of the search, the case had become a bit of a media circus, which is probably to be expected when you consider that it's a missing persons case and six fully grown men are claiming that their friend was abducted by aliens. So by the fourth day of the search, the townsfolk started accusing them of murder and they were like yelling and shouting at them like, where's the body? Where's Travis? He's dead. So the sheriff suggested that they take a polygraph test. They really wanted to clear their name, so they agreed to it. So Travis Walton's been missing for five days and the logging gang rock up to the courthouse ready for their polygraph test. They've got this guy called Cy Gilson who's going to be doing the test and he is the best polygraph operator in Arizona. It isn't long until they realize that they're not being polygraphed on whether or not they saw a UFO. They're being polygraphed on whether or not they murdered Travis. So then they're kind of freaking out because they feel like if one of them doesn't pass it, that their fucking lives are over and they're gonna get done for murder. The polygraph results come back and Cy Gilson is able to conclude that five out of the six loggers passed the polygraph. And the one who didn't pass the polygraph didn't necessarily fail, but the results were inconclusive. This shocked the sheriff because at this stage, they were just convinced that they were lying about the UFO and that they'd killed Travis. And then even more shockingly, five hours after the polygraph results concluded, Travis Walton wakes up on the side of the road and can sense a light above him. But before he has a chance to look up and see what's making the light, it's disappeared. So he like gets up on his feet, steadies himself, sees the lights of a town um, close by and just starts running, gets into town, picks up a phone and calls his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law thinks that it's a prank call and Travis passes out mid-sentence. So eventually his brother-in-law and his brother Dwayne end up going and picking him up and taking him to a hospital in Phoenix. So the first doctor that saw Travis was like, wow, this guy's been through some shit. Apparently he was just dazed and out of it. That was conclusive with him having experienced a traumatic event. Okay, so this is the part of the story where the H word comes back into play hypnosis because apparently Travis was so overcome by fear that he had to be hypnotically regressed to remember what actually happened to him on those five days that he was missing. So it all gets a little bit complicated now, doesn't it? Because we've got Susan Clancy over here telling us that we can't trust anything that people say under hypnotic regression because people can interject their own, you know, slant on people's memories under hypnosis. Meanwhile, we've got Travis Walton, who's been missing for five days, and he's got six friends who passed a polygraph test saying that they saw him get zapped by a UFO. 
So after Travis was hypnotically regressed, he remembered things about his abduction experience that he didn't remember when he was just in a normal state of consciousness. Basically, he came to and he woke up on this table and he thought that maybe the logging crew had taken him to a hospital. But pretty soon he realized that the creatures that were around him weren't human. He noticed that they were really small. So he tried to grab the kind of closest object to him and wanted to fight his way out of this room. Basically, what ended up happening was like the creatures kind of just like backed off and left the room. And so he ran out of the room and into this other room where he could see a chair and it was almost like a control room, I guess. So he was looking at this chair and he said he was still really frightened. He felt more relaxed when he saw that there was no one sitting in that chair, but he kind of went up to these controls and tried to touch a few of the buttons, pull a few levers. And it was at that point he became aware of a presence behind him and saw that there was um, an entity that looked like a human. And so he kind of begged this human to help him, but the human seemed indifferent. Instead, he just kind of grabbed him by the arm and led him down the hallway. From there, he was led into a room where there was another two human-looking entities, and they tried to wrestle him down onto the table. He was trying to resist them. He saw that one of them was wearing a mask, and he was trying to grab his fingers around the edge of the mask so he could pull it off. But it was at that point that the hypnosis session ended, and he didn't see what was underneath the mask. So in 1978, Travis wrote a book called The Walton Experience, detailing his claims. And that book then was the basis for the 1993 movie Fire in the Sky. But what I'm about to say next is something which made me think more seriously about the validity of the claims that people make under hypnosis. So in 1993, when the Walton experience was being made into fire in the sky, Paramount Pictures decided that Walton's account was too fuzzy and too similar to other televised close encounters. It's that term, too similar. So David Jacobs' website outlines that there is such a thing as a typical abduction event where the complex series of events and procedures directed by the abductors to passive or control abductees happens and it happens with regularity and uniformity across the world, across a whole heap of different people, whole heap of different experiences, whole heap of different hypnotists. So most abduction accounts follow this order of events capture when the person is captured by the aliens and taken aboard the craft examination and procedures so that's generally when the physiological psychological examinations happen and sometimes there might be like simulated events or testing and training which happens then generally there might be some kind of communication with an alien whether that is telepathic or you know if they're speaking to them then sometimes they'll get like a tour of the ship or they'll be taken somewhere else. So they'll be like shown a different solar system or they'll be shown the planet from outside outer space. Normally then they will experience a loss of time and after that they're then returned. And so when they return, they realize that they have a loss of time or new injuries or they're not wearing clothes that they wore when they were sleeping. And then normally after that, they then deal with psychological, physical and social effects of an abduction, which they may or may not remember directly at that time. I guess the skeptical argument is that the alien abduction narrative is so ingrained in our pop culture now that basically anybody who's had any kind of exposure to a pop culture, science fiction, alien story would be able to easily recreate their own abduction experience 
if they were guided under hypnotic regression. But I don't know. What do you think? Is it enough for pause? Is it enough to make you think about it? Especially thinking, how is it possible that multiple different hypnotherapists seemingly get the same result? Like, is it that simple as it's in pop culture and that's just what people think? Or is there something to it? Let me know in the comments. Okay, so I hope you can stick around because up next, I'm about to be joined by my guest and best friend. And we're going to do an alien abduction questionnaire together and figure out if we could, in fact, have been abducted by aliens. Okay, everybody, as promised, I'm sitting here now with my guest and my best friend, holistic counselor, energy healer, Reiki master, clairsentient, claircognient, Benjamin Burns. Benj Burns for short. How you on, Ben? Hello, beautiful soul. <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh, excited to talk about aliens? I am, actually. Okay. So um, Ben has a YouTube channel called The New Earth Channel with Benj and Gabby. And they do amazing um, YouTube videos on... What's your series on at the moment? On the... So we're doing a seven-part series on the chakra, cleansing and balancing. And we, we look at the underactive signs, the um, overactive signs, and how to actually balance the chakra. And, you know, we, we write our own meditations, which you can purchase um, to, yeah, continue with your healing journey if, if that's what you're interested in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And spiritual based anything on the mind body soul we yeah talk about different things yeah. yeah and you can find ben on the new earth collective on instagram as well so that's always good because it's spirituality with a little bit of humor that's what we like yeah because you got to have fun i think what's what's laughing good for that's good for your heart chakra isn't it yeah joy or is that your throat bit of both probably both yeah bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> okay ben so from your perspective as an energy healer and a holistic counselor what are your thoughts on hypnosis um, well, I've done NLP and timeline therapy and certainly hypnotherapy is part of that. Um, look, if it's done correctly, I think it's very powerful. It does come down to the practitioner and I think it also does come down to how open or suggestive the client is. And they say that 20% of the population can't actually be hypnotised. So when we think about like the Travis Walton case and the fact that he didn't remember what happened to him in those five days... Mm-hmm. until he had hypnotic regression. Do you think that he could have had those memories implanted by the hypnotherapist? Yes, possibly. You know, the subconscious mind is a powerful tool. Sometimes you need to, I guess, manipulate that to to get the story out correctly. But I guess the, the issue with the Travis Walton case is that there were so many witnesses that actually saw it happen. And I guess that that's the thing when it comes to events such as alien abduction, that on its own hypnosis isn't a great tool to explain what happened. But I guess when you're looking at it in conjunction with other pieces of information, at least it helps to fill in the gaps a little bit more because if it really... It's a tool. And that's it. Because if it is something where you're kind of like, you know that something hadn't gone the way you wanted it to or you you can't you, you're blocking something out mm-hmm. like they use it for post-traumatic stress and things like that don't they hypnosis yeah, well, yeah. or at least even being put in some kind of trance so that you can actually sort of heal trauma. yeah any sort of trauma recovering you know information because the mm. subconscious mind is it's amazing what gets stored in there you know do you feel like you need to take it with a little grain of salt though like even when it's something like say if you were healing something in mm. yourself is the possibility that it's 
a false memory that hasn't been remembered properly. If it makes you feel better and able to move on yeah. from your trauma, then that's great. But when Look, it comes to... I think if to... it resonates, even if it doesn't, un- if you don't really understand, but if it resonates and does make you feel better, then that's a good thing, you know? And I know, you know, in meditation and things like that, sometimes you don't know the answers for things or some things don't quite make sense. But, you know, you might remember something a couple of days later which mm-hmm. will answer that or make make it more clear because obviously this um icar international center for abduction research it has information here for therapists and for people who have been abducted and it's got a questionnaire on here so obviously the purpose of this website the purpose of his research is to fundamentally help people heal from some kind of trauma that they feel like they're experiencing whether it's real or not Mm. would you agree yes i'd agree with that definitely I guess in a way, this questionnaire would be really interesting because it must, it would be healing in some way to feel like you're getting some kind of answer or at least even somebody that's listening to you that's taking your experience seriously, like whether or not it's imagined or not. Look, there's a lot of things that happen to us that are unexplainable and, you know, I guess it's the way that culture is, the way society is, the way that we're programmed and, you know, it's scary to talk about that because you don't want to be judged but quite often you'll actually find out that someone else has had the same or similar experience as you. Exactly. And so I can imagine that if you genuinely believed that you've been abducted by aliens, Mm. or even if you'd noticed that there were strange things that have happened in your life, and I'm really interested to look at this questionnaire Mm. and find out how many of these questions we've experienced, but also in the comments section and in emails after this, to find out how many of these questions actually resonate with people who are listening to this. I mean, how, how many accounts does it actually take before they actually pass something off as real? I know, that's what I mean, because it's kind of just like an experience. Thousands, probably hundreds of thousands. Okay, so if you're interested in doing this questionnaire, it's on the ICAR website, which is um, ufoabduction.com. And you'll see on the left-hand side, there's a tab and it's called questionnaire. So basically it says, it asks you if you've had an unusual personal experience, fill out the following questionnaire and the answers to the questions are all confidential and your identity will not be revealed. So I'm not quite sure what happens. Like, I think you might just submit this questionnaire and then it will obviously go to David M. Jacob. So I don't think we're going to get a response back saying that we've been abducted by aliens or anything like that just by filling it out yeah so looking at the screen here the questions it's asking are pretty arbitrary like your email address the date age gender where you live if you've got a partner your partner's job and your children's names the partner's job's pretty interesting i wonder if that's there because maybe a lot of people who are abducted have got partners that are come from a military background possibly yes that might be the reason why I ask a question like that. I wonder if there is like a certain partner's occupation that yeah. tends to be more abducted than not. Yeah. I wonder if it is like people in the military tend to have more or experiences. clearance jobs or yeah. government jobs. Because yeah. that would be interesting, people that know sensitive information. Mm. Wow, I hadn't even thought of that until I just saw that then. Okay, so when it gets to the question component of the questionnaire after you've answered all of the information about yourself, it's got boxes tick, yes or no, and it also asks for a description um, if you answer yes. So are you ready for these questions, Ben? We might be finding things out about ourselves today that we didn't know before. (laughs) (laughs) And we've been friends for 10 years. So we might be revealing parts of ourselves to the internet that we might (laughs) not want to. Alrighty, so far away, here we go. Question number one. 
Have you ever seen a UFO? I haven't personally seen a UFO or something along those lines, something that's manifested, but you know, I've certainly seen strange lights in the sky in the years, you know, mm-hmm. in my years, you know. Um, I come from a farm and, you know, there's no city lights out there. So the night sky on a clear night is just full of stars. Mm-hmm. So you do see strange things and, you know, do you, have I passed them off as aircraft or are they something else? I don't know, but, um, yeah, I've like I said, I haven't actually seen a craft of any sort yet. Have had a couple of strange experiences which were unexplainable. Yeah, which yeah. we can get to later. I haven't seen an actual craft, but I've seen strange lights. Yeah. So the strangest one was the light that looked like it was jerking on a string when I was at that boat ramp, mm-hmm. and that was probably the strangest sighting I've had. I've not seen like a craft. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like if you'd seen a craft, you could just probably skip forward a few questions, couldn't you, on this questionnaire? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we spend most of our time looking down, don't we? You know, or what's in front of us. We don't look up, so, you know. Well, I knew when I saw... If you sat there all night and, and watched, like, would you see something? I don't know. One night I was looking at the stars and I saw Elon Musk's satellite train and I almost died. Yes, I've seen that too, actually. <laughs> because for that split second, you're just like, oh my God. It is, it is strange, isn't it? It's like a line of lights. It is really strange. Yeah. Okay, so the second question is, as a child or an adult, did you ever experience any odd periods of time of an hour or more when you were lost, but you don't remember being lost? I don't think at the nightclub. It doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't count. Well, I've had many of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm always a friend that disappears. On <laughs> no, look, I can't say that I have. Do you have any scars or marks on your body that neither you nor your parents can remember how you received? Look, I have a mole in between my eyes that sort of arose after I started going through my spiritual awakening, and it's exactly where my third eye is. Alright, and I always thought that was quite an interesting thing to happen because I'm clairvoyant and connected psychically, so... Could be an implant, an alien implant. Possibly, yeah. What's that Marvel character? Isn't that Wanda and WandaVision? What was that show? Isn't there, like, he's got that, that little, like, the infinity crystal in his head. Oh, yeah. Who's that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Vision. Vision. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got a bindi. I call it my bindi. Now, something else that has actually come from that is that I've been told by a few different sources, clairvoyant things like that, that I'm a starseed, and I certainly um, believe that myself. And I do believe that I am actually from the Sirius star system, right? So the dog star, which is the brightest star in the sky, night sky. Anyway, it's a binary star system, which means it's uh, two two stars that actually gravitate around each other. Mm -hmm. Anyway, once I found that out, I developed another one. A smaller one. So Sirius A and Sirius B are two different sizes. One's a lot larger than the other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now I have this two. Two. two can of you them. see it? Yeah, I can see them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So just just odd how that's replicated or manifest physically. While awake, have you actually seen a frightening figure, such as a monster, a boogeyman, a witch, or a devil, as a child and or as an adult in your bedroom, closet, or anywhere else? Yeah, so I had quite a frightening experience. Uh, it was just, uh, it was actually just when COVID started. Long story short, um, I moved back into my investment property when I was still down for work. There was some really bad juju 
in the house or en energy because my tenants you know, mistreated my house and you know I had to do some renovations to it and just yeah the energy was not right in the house anyway I one night I experienced what I would call well it was sleep paralysis I'd never actually experienced it before but it was it was actually quite frightening but it was you know I was in bed and at first I thought I was dreaming I couldn't move um, and I was awake I was conscious I was looking at my bedroom door and I heard my front door come open with such a force it was like I came to and that's when I thought I'm actually not dreaming here and I thought to myself have I slipped into this altered state of awareness or even dimension the way that I'd explain it was if you watched if you've, if you've watched that series stranger things mm -hmm. and you know they have the underworld part which looks exactly like my bedroom did but a darker aspect mm -hmm. of it what um, happened then was I actually heard something move in my house like walk down the hallway I'll say this to you it wasn't human the sounds that it was making the way it was walking down the hallway the breathing and like I was so paralyzed with fear nothing really scares me but immediately thought my god what is coming down the hallway what am I going to see but I couldn't even close my eyes I was paralyzed I couldn't move anything I could hear it getting louder and louder and what I actually did was I yelled out to Archangel Michael now Archangel Michael is has been very strong around me for most of my life so once I actually called out to him to protect me as soon as it got to my bedroom door it actually dissipated yeah I never I never saw anything I never you know and I sort of I sort of just sat up in bed but it was probably my first experience of actually experiencing like a psychic attack that's what I probably call it did you smell anything no it, so it, no smell there was no smell it. but it was it was the sound um, and I know this for sure that it was not human being Do you have inexplicable fears about certain areas such as stretches of highway, open fields, rooms in a house and so forth? Um, well, growing up, you know, I spent a lot of time at the family farm. It was my grandfather's farm and I, I do distinctly remember this as a kid. There was a part of the, the yard that we never went into and I can't explain this but it was just the energy wasn't quite right there and I remember as a small child I was frightened I couldn't step out there and in fact no one went out there funny enough but it really really frightened me this area or part of the garden I don't know what actually happened no one really knows I don't know if there was just negative energy there or something actually happened on the land prior to grandfather buying the farm I do remember it. I always had this really strange feeling that I, I can't put my finger on I don't like driving the country at night I don't like being on country roads at night, unless I'm trying to scare myself. I love forests and I love walking and I love nature, but there's something quite frightening about being left in the middle of a forest somewhere not knowing how to get out. I've certainly watched many documentaries, mm. like the Travis Walton case, but there's been many others, especially in national parks in the United States, and I actually find that quite frightening. Have you actually left your body or had unwanted or unexpected out-of-body experience before? Yes, I believe so. I don't remember, um, but I have had experiences where I've woken up and I felt like I've fallen into bed. But I haven't actually remembered, and I, I don't know whether my vibration wasn't high enough or something. I don't know whether I was having astral travelling or whether I was having some sort of out-of-body experience. I've had one time where I was meditating and I was actually trying to 
mm. have an out-of-body experience. I've tried myself and I just haven't been able to, whether I'm putting too much The method that I had used is like you, you meditate but with your hand in the air. So it keeps you kind of semi with it because you have to focus on having your hand in the air so you don't like kind of fall asleep or get too much into a trance but anyway i think i was like meditating for like 40 minutes or something it was quite a long time it was when Mm -hmm. i used to do like quite long meditations and i had kind of decided that it wasn't going to happen so i've gone to sit up and i've gone to use my hand to push myself up and i pushed myself up and i could see my arm still laying there so I had like sat up out of my body and then that obviously shocked me so it snapped me straight back because I panicked because I think the moment that you start to panic Mm. then you're straight back in yeah 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 (laughs) so I was like and then straight back in so that's probably the only time I've had an out-of-body experience I can't say that anything's taken my consciousness if it did it didn't feel I wasn't conscious of it it felt like a dream state has deceased relatives or friends ever visited you in your home at night? Yes. Really? Yes. It was really my first experience of actually the dangers of inviting spirit into your home. Okay, do you feel comfortable to share? Yeah, it's quite long-winded though, the story. All right, well, like, keep it snappy. <laughs> so many years ago, um, I was with uh, my ex-partner. What was actually going on was one of, I was quite close to his father anyway. One of his father's friends was um, diagnosed with cancer. His daughter also had been diagnosed with cancer. The daughter actually went into remission and then Peter actually got a tumour that was very, very aggressive and it took him within, you know, it was a matter of months. When he passed away, it was a matter of days after the, the tumour that his daughter had had come back as well and she was basically just found out that she was terminally ill something along those lines and anyway when I was when we were at Peter's funeral I laid a flower on his his coffin and I said in my mind if you need to come through <laughs> anyone Peter come through me it was just one of those things because I am quite sensitive I didn't think too much of it what actually happened within a couple of months strange things were starting to happen in my house and they were unexplainable it was growing as we were experiencing it, my partner was experiencing it, uh, and, also, and you know things like our lights were turning on and off. Um, my partner would wake up and feeling feeling like someone was actually breathing on him, and oh a pressure that you know someone was laying on his chest. Another time, my partner was asleep on the couch having a bit of a, a nap in the afternoon, and he felt like someone sat on the edge of the couch because the the couch actually moved and he thought I'd returned home from work anyway he opened his eyes and no one was there and actually he shot up off the couch Mm. because he felt it another time I was brushing my teeth um, getting ready for work and I actually felt like someone had come up behind me um, and I actually felt the vibration in the floor I was standing there looking at a mirror and there was no one behind me you know and I turned around and you know I looked in my closet next to me and there was no one there so this is how it sort of started to happen as the weeks went on and the things that were happening we couldn't explain it was that almost like our fear was actually um helping it you know energize and manifest now that's what Ed and Lorraine Warren say yeah yeah so what actually ended up happening was my ex-partner used to DJ on the side of his main job to do gigs on the weekend Anyway, this particular Saturday night, I'd gone out to a friend's, he'd gone to work, and he took a, an, another friend with him to help him out. He used to finish about two o'clock in the morning. Anyway, he finished work, and 
I got this phone call and I was sort of, I was at a friend's house and we were having wine and stuff and uh, I got this phone call and he said to me, you need to get home now. And he was quite panicked, um, quite frightened and I thought, oh God, what's, um, what's happened? Someone died or has someone broken into the house or, you know, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't actually say, he was just like, you need to get home now. And I thought, God, and I've jumped in the car and I've raced home and it took me about half an hour to get to him. I put my car in the garage, I went in and here he was with, his, with this friend of his that he took to work and they had my crystal pendulum out and you know, <laughs> they, were, they were asking questions. They were almost like having this seance. I thought, God, I've never seen anyone use a crystal pendulum for that you know i use it for reiki and things like that a lot of people use it for that yeah yeah and i i don't use it for that because i i don't i don't like to conjure yeah stuff like that up because you don't know what well, you're bringing that is your like, that is essentially yeah conjuring. yeah yeah, yeah. You mm. know, it's like a seance type mm. thing but anyway i said to him what are you doing you know <laughs> what is going on and he said ben i got home and my, my house is on a corner block and he used to drive around, he'd drive around and then reverse the D-Day trailer up on to the driveway into the garage. Anyway, he's come around the corner and all the front lights were on and the front door was wide open. And he thought, what is going on? Like, what's, what's Ben doing? Rah, rah, rah. He's flicked the, uh, the garage door um, remote and there was no cars in the garage and he was like oh my god we've been broken into <laughs> he's driven up the driveway parked the car and he's made our friend Kathy get out and look through the house to see if we'd been robbed because <laughs> he was so scared yeah but I'll say this Kathy walked into the into our into my house every light was on in the house the heating was on the air conditioning was on mm. uh, the TV was on and we had a dog at the time and the the back door was open just enough so he wouldn't get in the house and out the front door. Um, anyway, nothing was taken. Very, very strange. So this thing, or whatever it was, had gathered all this energy and, mm. and manifested itself. So, you know, and we were like, okay, so there's something definitely in the house. And anyway, I sat at the table. We, we played with this pendulum for hours. I was sitting there thinking, and I thought, oh my God. Mm. And I, I remembered what I'd said yeah. at his father's friend Peter's funeral. I said to my, my ex-partner Carl, I said, oh my God, I know who this is. Mm. He said, who? And I said, it's Peter, it's Peter. And he said, what do you mean it's Peter? You know, why would it be Peter? And so then I explained myself and he went, oh my God. Anyway, what I did then was I said, Peter, if, you're, if this is you and you're trying to get our attention, like show us a sign. And no shit, people. Yeah. <laughs> My, we had a big plasma TV on the wall. Anyway, it was switched off. A bolt of electricity <laughs> went through it and lit up the room. Oh my God. It didn't turn on, but a bolt of electricity went through it and it lit the room up. And my ex, he dropped to the floor. <laughs> and um, our friend Kathy was just in shock as well like and I thought well it's him <laughs> it's definitely it him long story short I think what I was getting intuitively was he's here because his daughter's about to pass away okay. um because her tumor had come back aggressively Carl's dad was really close to the family and you know I said I said Carl I think Peter's here to take his daughter and I think he's trying to tell us you know I think he's I think we've got to tell your dad and 
and he's like, what do you mean we got to tell dad? And I said, you got to tell your dad. He's here. You know, mm. he's, it's very strong, obviously. Anyway, he said, I can't tell my dad this. I'm like, no, you're going to. <laughs> yeah. I said, because this is, you know, he's obviously got a message for us. Anyway, he rang his father at two o'clock in the morning and he said, dad, I'm not on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, but this has happened. And he goes, I think your friend Peter is haunting our house. Anyway, he said quite calmly, he was very diplomatic diplomatic man he said Carl we'll talk about it in the morning <laughs> oh, no. and he said dad I'm not on drugs he goes I don't think you're on drugs <laughs> he said we'll talk about it in the morning mm. anyway so the next day we've gone over there and Carl's explained what had actually happened Carl's dad said look a lot of strange things been happening to me the last couple of weeks as well I've been lying in bed or I've woken up like someone is breathing on me with their with their hands on my chest trying to get my attention mm. and you know my ex's father had diabetes and he'd think oh god I need to get up and check my sugar levels so you know he'd get up and do his little tests but you know he had a couple of strange occurrences as well so he wasn't surprised what had happened um and yeah so that was really the end but it sort of showed me that you've really got to be careful what you invite in because sometimes you can invite really negative energy in or even demonic mm. things i will say this when we got home that day um there was a couple of lights left on that we knew that we switched off mm -hmm. but what there was at the on the front porch it there was this perfect circle of um, flower petals and you know I, I can't even explain how it happened because they were from different different flowers different species of plants but there was multiple petals and they'd, they'd blown up on on our porch at our front door and like a perfect ball wow. it was the most strangest thing i've ever seen but and i said straight away he's he's thanking us for doing that because mm. you know um anyway we'd gone inside and we were sitting there talking about what had happened and at the same time carl and i both looked and on top of our refrigerator or fridge, we used to have all these um, beer um, coolers. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when Peter died, his obituary, um, you know when you hand out the bit of paper with their yeah, yeah. Um, photo? Yeah. He decided to have these beer coolers made with, you know, his face or his family did, sorry. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it said, Peter Ellis, rest in peace. And anyway, we put put that up with all our other beer coolers. Anyway, it was just strange. Carl and I looked at the same time and we saw this beer cooler and it had been turned and all we could see was Peter in peace on the angle mm. that it was on. And yeah, so we knew that we'd done the right thing. Mm -hmm. But God, just mayhem, caused absolute mayhem. Um, I actually had, I forgot to say this too, I had actually someone that come in and cleanse the house um, who was a friend of mine, um, Pagan. And she said there was something in the house that didn't want to leave and it was in our bedroom. And that actually quite, that frightened my ex-partner. But yeah, that continued on. She tried to get rid of it and it was quite angry um, because he didn't want her to be there because he obviously had a purpose. Religious visitation is really interesting because a lot of people say both for aliens and for demons that they can appear as religious figures. Mm. Yeah, you know, you're very it's one of those things where you do hear of people seeing angels and they're really aliens. Mm -hmm. Like that's a whole ancient alien kind of theory, isn't it? Well, if you think about how religion depicts aliens, they're they're winged humans that are from the sky. Well, even like you know? the way that the Bible yeah. describes them, like the descriptions. I don't think I don't think there's any descriptions of aliens in. Oh, sorry, <laughs> in the Bible. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's no descriptions of aliens in the Bible. No. But I think the descriptions of angels... I think that's why we don't know the truth. Yeah, well, I think... <laughs> or one of the reasons. I'm trying to remember. I feel like it's... then In the New and Old Testament, there isn't really descriptions of angels, but they are in the Book of Enoch. Oh, yeah. I think in the Book of Enoch, the descriptions of angels are quite scary. They're the ones that have got, like, 17 different eyes, and mm. they're, like, flaming wheels and things like that. Yeah. Look, the way I depict angels or the angelic realm and the way that they come to me, and I've certainly read this, you know, multiple times or from different sources, is light. They come mm-hmm. to me as light and they, they show me an outline of an angel, but mm-hmm. I really experience them as light and it's more the feeling that I get from them. Yeah. That I know that they're, they're high vibration, you know. Okay, so you don't think you've seen a religious vision that was actually no. an alien? Nothing that was like... I feel like that question is more like, did, did an angel come to you and tell you, you need to step into the light? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It <laughs> and it was an so, angel, yeah. Yeah, it's really about, I think, making sure that you ground and protect yourself, that mm. sort of stuff. Have you ever awakened wearing clothes that were not yours and you do not know how you got them? <laughs> I don't know if I should answer this question. <laughs> Have you ever awakened with your clothes on the wrong way or not on at all when you had put them on correctly? See, that happened to Betty Hill. Yeah. And she actually kept kept it. Yeah. So that was part of her kind of collection of things where she, she had a, a nightgown that wasn't hers. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when they redressed them, they put the wrong wrong clothes on. Yeah. That's just so... I love that detail because it's just so like... It's like an admin... (laughs) It's like an admin problem. You know, like they've just, you know... They have incompetent aliens as well. Exactly. Like how do, how do yeah? How do you traverse time and space? Yeah, yeah. Can't remember but a simple detail like that. You get it wrong. Yeah, I know. See, that's I love it. Like the humanity of that. You know. Or have they done that on purpose? Or is it not aliens? Is it a? Yeah, yeah. Is it actually humans? Because yeah. that seems too human. Yeah, yeah. Or is there humans involved type thing? I don't think, you know, I, I would, okay, so I've woken up not wearing clothes, but I mm. think that I've taken them off in my sleep because I'm too hot. I wouldn't say that that was aliens. No, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Do you inexplicably feel that you are secretly teaching or helping someone? I um, would say yeah. Yeah, I would say that because I feel I'm a light worker. Yeah. So I feel like my mission here is to, you know, um, shift consciousness, you know, so I do feel like. You know, I don't have many followers, but it's not about the followers for me. It's mm. about just helping whoever I can. As an adult, do you feel you have a special influential or controlling person outside of your normal life whom no one knows about and who is not a religious figure? I guess that's like asking if you've got a guide. Yeah, I think I've got many guides. Yeah. Yeah, I but- experience spirit guides all the time. But as, you know, some, some people say you've got one spirit guide that stays with you, but I've never experienced the one. I mean, you have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I do. I have one. Which... The, blue, the blue woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for me, that is something she's, you know, she claimed to be, well, she said that she has been interpreted as a religious figure in the past, but that she's not. That's not mm. how it works. That's just how her interpretation in this time is. Yeah. But she transcends time. Yeah. space and she's taken you to our like other like, yeah dimensions dimensions slipped. and 
this is really funny people so a couple of years ago Patrice and I went to a psychic expo in Sydney Australia mm-hmm. and um, there was this uh, psychic painter all right and you know you pay money and they they paint your spirit guide anyway um, I've said to Patrice I will die if they paint that blue woman what did they do they painted a blue woman <laughs> <laughs> unreal it's pretty crazy pretty crazy yeah that kind of concludes the questions mm-hmm. but it then does go on to ask if you've ever been hospitalized for psychiatric or psychological disorders I think that's pretty good yeah I probably no but I may you know have, well you don't have to have. you don't have to disclose that <laughs> for his research he wants to know so i feel like when we're looking at this questionnaire as you know someone trying to find answers and he has claimed that he has no spiritual new world new age you know beliefs but i feel like it's really responsible to ask people if they have been hospitalized for a psychological or Mm. a psychiatric disorder but having said that i don't think that that immediately strikes your your experience no. from the record no because what i found with my research with ed lorraine warren is i think that a lot of these entities or their low vibrational entities regardless of whether they're aliens mm. interdimensional spirits yeah whatever they are they will find people who are of a low vibration well not even of a low vibration that because just because you have a a mental illness doesn't mean you're low vibrational. It just means that you may be able to be accessed easier or that your that your interpretation of the world mm. is more open. Yeah. Look, if you you know, I, I've read many things where people that are on that have like psychosis from drugs mm-hmm. um, or alcoholics, things like that, they are an easier target, the spirit. Yeah, yeah. well, or anything low, lower, a lower vibrational entity. Mm. Well, I guess that, you know, um, we've spoken before about like fractures and auras. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know about, see, I, I really like sit on the fence when it comes to that because yeah. I'm, I'm not about, I don't really like to believe in every bad thing you do, something bad happens to you, you get a crack in your aura because I feel like it's all, it's more fluid than that. It's not like our auras aren't like crystalline structures around us that Mm. can have cracks in them like i feel like it's more like fluid you know you can make a mistake and it might you know put a ripple in your aura but it's not going to crack your aura or disfigure you i don't believe that either you know you know we're meant to do everything that happens to us is for a reason and you know it's just it's you know we all have karma Mm. whether it's from this life or we drag it through from our past life So what do you think about this questionnaire? I think it's pretty like solid. Yeah, I think it's really good. I enjoyed actually doing it. Yeah. I will say this. I really, really do believe that we're not alone. You know, we can't be the only, you know, intelligent mm. sort of civilization in this universe. Um, there's just too many accounts. Yeah. Um, well, do th- I, I, I do question that, you know, we, I even think we live among them, to be honest. So you, do you think that they're physical beings in spaceships, though? I think they can be, yes. How do they get here? 
That's what I mean. Like, are they interdimensional? Like, have they always been here, but we just can't see them? I think, you know, as far as getting in a spaceship and driving from here to the end of the solar system, I don't think they do it like that. I think it's interdimensional, yes, but they are in some sort of craft. Yeah. And whether, you know, because there's portals and things open up everywhere, mm. you know, especially on ley lines on the planet. Well, you know, this is what I've researched. They seem to be in these ley lines on the planet or high energy centers or fault lines or mm. you know things like that well i guess you know a good kind of analogy to make is we can get in a plane and fly to america and it will take us a day yeah or i can be on the internet and talking to somebody in america instantaneously mm. and i'm still i'm a real still tangible person yeah it's just that i have a different conduit but it's still my consciousness that's communicating with that person in America just because I'm not physically there mm. yeah. so there's infrastructure in America that allows me to communicate to people in America yeah yeah so who's to say that these like small grey aliens or whatever aren't just some kind of conduit for a conscious a conscious mm. being somewhere else well who's to say they're, they're not us mm. you know well a thousand years you know, in advance when they're traveling back through time, you know. I saw a really interesting quote the other day, actually, which said, we're mentally prepared to find little gray aliens on a different planet. Mm. But as a society, we are not prepared to find another outcrop of humans. Yeah. Because we have no way of explaining that in our history. Well, it just, it, it will actually destroy history. It will turn everything completely well, if upside they, down. Well, I just feel like there hasn't been enough of a noise made about the fact that I heard in multiple mainstream news, like media outlets, a week or so ago, that there's heaps of space agencies going back to Venus because they think that there's possibility of life on Venus. Mm. And they're willing to spend, they're willing to spend all this money to go to different planets, which, you know, what's really going on there? I always question that. Yet, all these phenomena, all these other things that actually have any on the planet, they don't put any money into it, you know? That's Certain true. countries will, like Norway, there's, um, I can't think of what the lights are called. Um, we've got the Min Min lights in Australia, but it's a very similar thing oh, okay. in Norway. Yeah. Not the not the northern lights, it's not like No, that. no, no, it's not the northern lights. It's a, it's a light phenomena. And I know well, even those fireballs has... that come out of the river and stuff in China. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like these lights have got their own consciousness, their mm-hmm. awareness. And, you know, they'll come close to you and you reach out to them and they move away. Mm. Well, Ben, what advice do you have for people listening at home if they're worried about, like, a spiritual attack or if they're worried that they're getting abducted? Like, is there any way that you can protect yourself from that kind of thing? Um, There's many different ways, and I think, you know, the easiest way is to use things like sage, paleo, santos. Um, You can use different oils as well um, that will actually, you know, um, improve your energy around your body, your aura. Um, And I think grounding yourself daily and doing like a protection meditation, we certainly do those on the YouTube channel, so, and you'll find them readily available on YouTube, but it's just being consciously aware that... um, you know, there is, there is things out there that we can't explain, that we can't see with our eyes, but, you know, um, it's really about being conscious of it, especially if you're sensitive. Um, a lot of people don't even know they're, like, empathic. Yeah. You know, until they 
start to research it and that's how I found out you know, mm-hmm. I'd have all these weird experiences when I was younger and you just put them down to it's just normal, you know, but you talk about it with people and they, they're <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> mm. And then you meet, you know, I met people along the way, like I'm 40 this year, I've met people along the way that have actually helped me, you know, mm-hmm. realise who I actually am. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, thanks, Ben. Thanks Thank for you. joining me. I hope you had fun. I had heaps of fun. Did you? Well, that's good. Hopefully you can come back when we yeah. start to talk about some other kind of stuff. I'm so proud future. of you. You're oh. doing such a great job. You're spreading your little love and oh. message to the world. And I'm, I'm proud of you for, for it. Well, oh, thanks. thanks, Benny. Okay, Ben. So tell us, um, for people that want to follow you, find you online, how can they get in contact with you? So I have a counterpart called Gabrielle or Gabby. We are the New Earth Collective 1111 on Instagram. And our YouTube channel is uh, New Earth Channel with Benji and Gabby. Yeah, and we do anything on the mind, body, soul. So we just started up during COVID. We're still finding our feet, but um, yeah, follow us. Send us messages as well if there's anything you need to know or um, are interested in because we sort of do our videos around what our viewers want. Yeah, and you've got a really cool tab. You've got um, programs that you can purchase on Etsy. Yeah. Yeah. So we do meditations. We'll be, you know, I'm still developing some programs and they're more about balance and balancing the ma- your masculine and feminine energy in your body. Um, so, and Gabby does a bunch of other things as well. Yeah. All so. right. No worries. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. So my favorite part of making podcasts the way that I do has to be hands down the listener emails that you guys send me on the daily. And if you're new here and you don't know about my listener email, it is a is for alien podcast at gmail.com. If you have any um, strange, bizarre stories, experiences, encounters, hauntings, or anything of the like, please don't be afraid to send them through to me. If you've got a story that you just want me to hear, that you want me to know about, but you don't necessarily want me to talk about it on the show, just uh, feel free to send those through too, because I really love hearing from you guys. Guys, and I really love getting your feedback on the show and any suggestions that you might have for future shows, topics, I'd really love to hear. The very first story comes from my very first email to the new email address. My name is Anne and this is a story about myself and the entities that have haunted my family for generations. I've seen these beings since I was a child. My mother has seen them too and even my grandfather. I apologise for the length of this story, but it's not my intention for it to be so long. Just a quick side note, if you have long stories, don't be afraid to write long stories. I don't want you to leave out any of the details. I want to know all the details of your encounters. So if they're long, send them through. People love the long form. That's what they've been asking for. Send it on through to me. Okay, back to the story. My earliest memory of these dark entities began when I was around seven years old. Most children claim to see the boogeyman at one point or another, but what I saw was more similar to little monkeys. They often came to me in the middle of the night and would try to take me away. I don't remember where we went. I just remember they were insistent that I go with them, saying that they wanted to play with me. It's hard for me to fully describe what the monkey men looked like. It was so long ago. But what I do remember was their big black ears and their tiny mouths that never moved, almost like they were wearing a mask. For many years, I would wake my mother up in the middle of the night, screaming that the monkey men were in my room. 
Of course, as soon as my mum came in the room, the monkey men were gone. I often got scolded by my mum that it was all in my head and that I had to grow up. My mum made sense and I often tried to convince myself that the monkey men were just a bad dream and to not dwell on it. But every so often, the nightmares would return. The little ape men would come for me. As I got older, I became religious for a time. One of the tricks my pastor taught me was to pray for Jesus, to rebuke the demons that haunted me. Surprisingly, it worked for a time. Whenever the monkey men would come for me as a teenager, I would pray to Jesus to make them go away and they instantly left. But as time went on, I started to notice something even stranger was happening. One night when I was in my early 20s, I had a friend come over. He was a man I met at church and we were getting along very nicely. You might even call it a date. We were in the backyard talking when suddenly he got a phone call from his younger brother asking for a ride. He decided to pick up his brother and take him home and we'd be back at my house in 20 minutes or so. I said, all right, and he left. I then started to clean the dishes while he was gone. That's when I started hearing a familiar humming noise and it always meant the monkey men were coming. Suddenly a blue light surrounded the house and the monkey men walked through the windows. I quickly got on my knees and prayed to Jesus to rebuke these demons. It would seem my prayers were answered. The monkey men were instantly gone, but I then realized I was no longer in my kitchen, but standing outside. Suddenly the man I was dating saw me and screamed, where have you been? I've been searching for you for hours. I've even called the police. I don't know what happened. I was just in my kitchen a second ago. I never told him about the monkey men since I didn't want him to think I was crazy. Unsurprisingly, he didn't want to see me again after that night. Despite my mother's dismissal of the monkey men, she also had unexplainable encounters at night, although I didn't learn about them until I was an adult. After telling my mother about the strange date I had, which ended up with the cops looking for me, my mother shared her own strange story that I had never heard before. My mother told me about the ghost she had seen all her life, most often in front of her bed at night. One of the most vivid ghost encounters she had was when I was a teenager. I was at the movies with some of my friends and mum was at home alone cooking dinner. She had just put the roast in the oven when she suddenly saw her late brother, my uncle, who had passed away when he was only a boy. My mum doesn't recall the ghost saying anything to her, but she felt very emotional about seeing her long lost brother. The old part is what happened next. The ghost disappeared after a few minutes and suddenly mum smelled smoke. The roast was burnt. She looked at the clock and three hours had gone by. I had tried to call my mum multiple times during her missing hours and she didn't answer. She has no idea what happened in between those three hours. When my mum was telling me this story years later as an adult, it reminded me of multiple times in my life that I also experienced hours instantly gone by. It seems I wasn't the only one. My mum then told me a similar story about my grandfather. Apparently he experienced something strange all the way back in the 1930s. One day, while heading into town, which was only about 30 minutes away from his family farm, he noticed a giant animal sitting in the middle of the road. In the 1930s, the distance between towns were far and you could travel on the road for hours without seeing another car. In this case, it was just grandpa and a humongous animal on an empty road. After staring at it for a couple of seconds, my grandfather realized what it was. It was a giant rabbit. He was amazed at the rabbit's size, which was about as big as a toddler and couldn't help but stare at its large eyes. The rabbit was only there for a moment and then ran into the forest. My grandfather chose not to follow it and instead got back into his car and continued heading towards town. As soon as he got into the car, he noticed it was already sunset. It was only 2 p.m. when he had left his farm. Once he got into town, he learnt that two hours had passed. After learning that both my mum and grandfather also experienced a loss of time, how be it with ghosts and rabbits instead of monkeys, I decided to do more research and learned of the phenomena of missing time. To make a long story short, this led me to learning about the so-called abduction claims. I've heard of cases of alien abduction, but always assumed it was either demonic or made up. But after being haunted by these creatures all my life, I was ready to learn the truth and quickly scheduled an appointment with the closest abduction hypnotherapist near me. I won't say his name for confidentiality reasons, 
sessions, but my hypnotherapist is a very respected man. He doesn't charge money nor believes in crazy conspiracies. He just wants to know the truth. He has been doing hypnosis for decades, training under Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs, the two leading hypnotherapists in the field of alien abductions. I was hesitant at first, but quickly found out hypnotherapy is nothing more than a relaxation technique that helps to draw out lost memories. I spent many sessions with him, each time exploring a different part of life. As the memories became more clear, I realized the monkey men weren't monkeys at all. They were little gray men with giant black eyes. I don't know if my brain assumed they were monkeys in order to cope with what I was seeing, or if these greys implanted the image of monkeys into my mind to confuse me. Either way, the greys would come for me since I was a child. Once you look into their eyes, you lose all control. It's like being paralyzed. They would get me from my bed and take me into a bright white room where they would perform medical procedures and take eggs from me. Most of the examinations had a reproductive aspect to it. The greys that did the medical procedure were taller than the ones that took me. The greys that come for me are about three foot tall. The ones that did the medical exam, the doctors, look just like the three foot greys, but they are taller, about five foot. The tall greys always seem to have a wider range of emotion, while the small greys just follow orders. The tall greys would sometimes have conversations with me telepathically, although most of the conversations were them telling me to stop screaming. On one occasion, I saw a being that looked completely different from the greys. The creature had similar large eyes, but stood eight feet tall and had the appearance of an ant or praying mantis. This mantis was giving orders to the tall greys. I have since come to accept that these abductions are real and there is nothing I can do about them. It's pointless to try and pray them away. They might make me forget or implant a false memory, but they will always come for me. My hypnotist recommends that I read Dr. David Jacobs' book on the subject. I have learnt a lot from his books, like how aliens will keep the abduction secret by giving abductees amnesia or a screen memory such as seeing a ghost or a rabbit. I've also learned that the reason for taking my eggs is in order to make hybrid children. There is a lot I still don't understand, but what I've learned is all one can really do is accept it. My daughter is about nine years old now, and she has nightmares of little men at night too, the monkey men. Thank you, Anne, for your submission. Creeped me way fucking out. I've always had this fear that I actually have been abducted by aliens, um, even from when I was a little kid. Like, I wouldn't want to look at the sky at night just in case. I didn't even think that that was kind of weird until I was probably about 25. Anyway, so there's a few interesting things that stick out to me about this story. I tried to find stories of anybody else who thought that they had screen memories of aliens but really thought that they were being abducted and I couldn't really find anything. So if you've ever heard of another story of someone seeing monkeys uh, only to find out that they were actually being abducted, please let me know. Either send me an email or if you're on YouTube, put a comment in the comments below because I kind of found that a little bit weird because monkeys are kind of scary and they do look like humans. And we have this kind of archetype image of a gray alien that abducts us, you know, so you think that it would almost make sense if another common image that people saw when they were having an abduction experience was reverting the opposite way. Like, you know how people say that we are afraid of grey aliens because they kind of have that uncanny valley quality to them. So I would have thought that there would have been way more instances of people seeing monkeys in their room. So falling short of that, I looked up what monkeys mean in dreams. And apparently monkeys in dreams symbolize instinct, deceit, intuition, betrayal, immaturity, childish behavior. So generally not a good sign if you're seeing a monkey in your dream. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think that you were actually having dreams. 
especially considering it was like a reoccurring nightmare and they always looked the same. The next thing which caught my attention was praying in the name of Jesus. I've always found it so intriguing that even for non-religious people, if they pray in the name of Jesus, it seems to stop alien abductions. It gets me thinking, like, what does that mean? If praying stops an alien abduction or makes you think that it stops an alien abduction, does it mean that these creatures are demonic? And if so, like, what, is, what does it mean to be demonic? Does that mean that religion is real? I was sitting back thinking about this after listening to your story and I wondered if the act of praying is not actually Jesus or a sky daddy that's protecting you but maybe it's like a much older like ritual or rite it's like a protection um, mantra that's your higher self telling whatever creature to stop you know like whatever our soul is that transcends yeah, our human form maybe by praying to god we're praying to our higher self that stops whatever these entities are i'll call them entities because at this point we don't know if they're interdimensional demonic physical aliens or you know a figment of our imagination even what stops them in the name of jesus is it jesus the actual character or is it the act of prayer and the act of reflection or is it an act of mercy when you're asking for salvation i don't know let me know what you think humming noises are really commonly reported with this kind of phenomena as well and some people say that it's not like a humming humming but it's more almost like an infrasound and i think you know that kind of sound i've heard too but when i'm meditating and a lot of people say as well that uh, people hear that kind of humming noise before they astral project i don't know maybe that has something to do with it's not like the humming of a spacecraft but maybe it is something which happens when you're in that altered state and maybe that is further evidence that you really did have some kind of abduction experience because you felt like you were you know, almost shocked into an altered state where people hear that humming noise. Missing time, classic UFO abduction experience. Reports of generational abductions are really common as well, especially when it comes to people who believe that they are being abducted for their genes and for hybridization. Normally, it's found that if someone thinks that they've been abducted or have had strange abduction experiences, that their mothers or fathers have also been abducted and experienced things like that. So the grandfather story doesn't surprise me. But one part I did love about the grandfather story, though, is that it reminded me of one of my favorite cryptids, which is the puka, which is a Celtic cryptid. Basically, it's a shapeshifter that normally looks like a giant rabbit. And it can be considered a bringer of both good and bad luck and could help or hurt rural and marine communities. The emailer didn't say where they're from in the world. Giant kind of animals like that in the middle of the road. That just feels a little bit skinwalkery to me as well. Okay, so once again, thank you, Anne, for emailing me. And just as a reminder, if you're listening to this and you have a story that you would like to hear my views on, please feel free to either send a audio submission or a written submission to my email address. It is a is for alien podcast at gmail.com. Love hearing from you. Just make sure you let me know if you want me to use your real name or if you've got another handle that you'd like me to use or if you'd like to remain anonymous. Uh, that'll all help me out a lot. Thank you. A 
can't believe it's the outro music already. Where has all the time gone? I hope you've had as much fun as I have. I'm going to take this moment to do an unapologetic self plug. If you've made it this far, I must have done something right. So please make sure that you like, comment and subscribe. And if you're not already, then you should probably also find me on my social media pages. I'm on Instagram as A is for Alien Podcast. Also, if you do so feel inclined, I do have a Patreon account set up which is quite boring at the moment because I have zero patrons and this is my first episode and there is no bonus content so I really don't blame you if you don't want to sign up for that today but you know what it's always there it is A is for Alien podcast and you can find me there I'd also like to say thank you to everybody that sent me emails this week especially to my email submission Anne and also to my guest Ben for joining me in the second part of the show to talk about alien abduction questionnaires thank you so much i love you all thanks for your support i'm glad to be back and i can't wait to see you next time where we will be talking about i'm gonna say b for bigfoot because that's my second favorite after aliens b for bigfoot hope you can make it all right bye bye love you bye bye